I have a confession to make. I had the idea to write a book for years before I finally put pen to paper and published the book. So the big question is this, how do people like me who battle doubt and insecurity push past their fears and publish a book? Well, that is the question, and this podcast is going to give you the answers. So join me as I bring you behind-the-scenes interviews and insights so that you can move forward and publish your book with boldness and courage. My name is Coach Tam, and this is Publishing Secrets. I think we all know that God wants to transform us from the inside out. The struggle is often what that should look like. Sometimes we can rely on God 100% and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. And then at other times, we can rely too heavily on ourselves. And I don't know about you, but that often means that I'm making a mess of everything. (laughs) That's why I'm so excited about this opportunity to sit down with Anne Linares. We had a great conversation about this concept of emotional intelligence and how partnering with the Holy Spirit is what really creates lasting results. I just know you're going to be blessed by this conversation and the mission that God has Anne on, as well as her personal story in terms of what she had to overcome in order to get this message out to the masses. Listen, if you have encountered obstacles and roadblocks, know that you are not alone. And Anne has a word of encouragement for you. So listen up, be encouraged. God still has something that he wants to do through you. Enjoy. Well, and welcome to Publishing Secrets. Looking forward to having a conversation, a great conversation, an extension of what we've had already about your current book and one that is in the works. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show today. Pleasure to be here. I'm excited. Absolutely. Me too. You know, I'm excited for a lot of reasons. First, your book is amazing. And we were talking about 356 pages packed full of information. So we'll have to talk about that a little bit. But another reason I'm excited is I saw a pair of words early in your book that I personally get jazzed about because I think it's really important to understanding ourselves and how we relate to others. And those two words were emotional intelligence. I shared with you that I don't often see these words in books that I come across from Christian authors that I interview, but it's an important concept for you. So I wonder for those that maybe aren't familiar with what emotional intelligence is, if you could give us a little bit of background on that. And then if you could share with us why it's important for us as Christians to be emotionally intelligent. Absolutely. You know, I could probably rant about that all day long. It's one (laughs) of my favorite things to dive into. So I'm going to try really hard to like simplify this thought down, but the Bible does a really amazing job of kind of parceling out that the old Testament, it says that the Israelites had hardened hearts. So everything that God was communicating to them was about yes and no, about having a sound mind, just telling them rules and structure and order that would help them understand better how to operate. I mean, it's not like God wants to be authoritarian punishment guy, but Mm. that's what they understood because they had hardened hearts. 
So when he says, I'm going to replace it with a soft heart, we get Jesus Christ who, you know, does this amazing thing for us and wakes up our hearts and everything he taught us all related to our behavioral message. And I feel like that level of discipleship often gets overlooked in the modern world. Mm-hmm. It is so focused on just bring people to Jesus, bring people to Jesus. We corral all these people into the body of Christ, and then we just leave everything to the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit does amazing work. But for people who are not fully attuned to following it well or understanding the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we still need people working on this discipleship element, this growth. What does it look like to walk in the body of Christ? What is it like to emulate Christ, to be a follower and a disciple of him in the behavioral sense? Everything he taught, everything he talked about. You know, I love to tell people like in the Sermon on the Mount, he took it out of your head and put it in your heart. You know, it's not eye for an eye, it's turn the other cheek because there's more to it. It's not just adultery is bad when you cheat on somebody. It's also adultery in your heart if you look another place else. So there's so many things where he was like, no, you guys, your heart matters. But in Proverbs 31, it talks about how grace is deceitful. And I kind of feel like our hearts are all this grace that is being tamed by our minds. So we have to know the word in our heads and teach it to our hearts. And ultimately, that becomes emotional intelligence, a smart heart. When Christ is on Mm -hmm. the throne of your heart, you know all the things he taught you in your mind. You are letting him rule over and reign over your heart, which gives you that parameter, that structure of I am free in Christ, standing on his solid word on the rock. So everything he talked about was really geared in an emotional intelligence direction. And I think it just gets overlooked too much. So. It was a huge part of my growth process in Christ when I first accepted Christ. And I feel like I just, there was no possible way I could hold back everything that God showed me. Wow. You know, that's really powerful too, because as I heard you speaking and I was thinking about, you know, that battle that we often have between doing what we know we need to do and what we feel like doing. And what I hear from you, and I hope our listening audience is picking up is, Yes, the Holy Spirit is there to lead us and guide us, but it's also a partnership. We have to be able to recognize the Holy Spirit's leading. And it's a journey to even develop the discipline to do (laughs) what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. And that is not going to just happen. That's not just I'm going to pray and it's going to be there. There's some work that we have to do to partner with the Holy Spirit to bring about this transformation that we're after. And so this is so powerful. This is going to be so cool. But let's talk a little bit about the book so that the audience can understand the concept of why this emotional intelligence topic is so important. Uh, Your first book is entitled Perfect Love, A Hero's Journey. Talk to us a little bit about what led you to write this book. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so I had been, I'll, I'll take you as far back as like 2014. There was somebody I loved very dearly in my life who had committed suicide and it broke me really deeply. And for about three years, I was kind of coming back into waking up. You know, I'd been raised in the church, but it was all like the sit in the pew, repeat the words. They'd never said anything about God wanting a relationship with me. Like I had no idea. So I finally get to this point in my life where I need. I know I need something in the spiritual understanding of my life. 
And I had grown up feeling like the church didn't give me answers. So I started looking everywhere else. What does everybody else have to say? And over the course of three years, I got sucked pretty deeply into the new age movement. And I finally hit this point where I had had a conversation with someone who challenged me in some things that I was believing and caused me to start asking the right questions. And I had this epiphany moment where I was like, God, I know that you're real. I know that angels are real, but I need to know who Jesus is. I need you to make it hundred percent clear to me who Jesus is because one religion says he's a prophet. And another religion says that he is the son of God. And another group of people think he's completely mythological, like made up. And you know, what is the truth? Cause I wasn't there. You know, So I cried out with my whole heart. I like to tell people it wasn't 99.99% of my heart. It's the whole thing. I just had to know. I knew that I could build my life in the right direction if I knew the truth about this subject. And I cried out to God and I started the first ever fast I ever did in my life, a three-day fast. And during this fasting period, I had an encounter with what I believe the same thing that Paul saw on the road to Damascus. I think it's the same thing that they saw at the transfiguration on the mount, this fullness of the glory of God. And it was just this brief moment standing in the light and presence of God. It was so overwhelming and so powerful and so amazing. There are not enough words in eternity to try and explain it. But I tell people that the feeling that it gave me was if I could shove my hand in my chest and rip my heart out, I'd be looking at what love is because that's how it made me feel to just stand there. It was overwhelming. I was blinded. It, it was just so crazy. And I started just being pulled and sucked into the word of God, like digging so deeply. I basically moved forward like I knew nothing about life ever. Like I just started over from scratch. And I truly believe that was my dying to my old self and starting the process of being born again from an infant. And I just kept, you know, God was guiding me through the study. I'd wake up in the middle of the night with God being like, you know, when you're having a conversation with somebody and they explain something to you really profound, you're like, oh, so what you're saying is that, da, 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 da. Yes. and you repeat yeah. it back to them. I would wake up at random times at night doing that. I'd be like, oh, so what you're saying is, and when I tried to go figure out what these things were, it was all scripture, everything. And I felt like God was guiding me and showing me these steps in my born again process. That's every spiritual encounter that I was having was about a step in process. Here's a marker where I covered you in the blood of the lamb. Here's a marker where you're getting baptized. And what I realized is that when I had prayed for God to give me answers on what can I do? Give me wisdom so I can help people like the Solomon prayer. He showed me this process. So I felt like I had to write this book to explain, here's my testimony and here's what God taught me. And here's how I applied it to my life so that people could use that as a foundation of reflection. And it's like, I didn't want it to just be all personal because we come in a world where there's so much like supernatural talk. I didn't want people to think I was just pulling things out of thin air. So I wanted to make it very grounded in scripture, which I did. So the idea was, I'm going to share my testimony. I'm going to share how I applied the word of God to my life. Here's all the scripture references for everything I'm saying. And then here's the questions that make it modernly relevant to you. And in every section, there were questions at the end to help people get drawn into how does this apply to me in the modern world? Because what I was basically figuring out is that this hero's journey that Joseph Campbell derived, you know, like Star Wars followed the hero's journey. Yep. They use it for all these epic stories, Lord of the Rings, you know, 
our born again process also follows this hero's journey and it helps us uncover the archetype points. It's not like God was trying to give us this list of hundreds and hundreds of rules we had to follow. He was trying to help our minds be pointed in the direction of love, which is him. So perfect love, a hero's journey is all about taking the steps on that journey to come closer and closer to God, to see the value in everything that he was teaching us, to develop that smart heart, to gain a scriptural and heavenly definition of love that we can all operate from, and to just help us develop that strong foundation that we stand on that says, I am unshakable in my faith which I feel like it was a really ambitious move to try to put all that in a book, but <laughs> it was. You, know, you got to do what the Lord puts on your heart. There's no way I can keep my mouth shut. I'm like, give me any avenue that will just let people hear what I have to say. I will shout it off of a rooftop. I will go speak it at a church. I will write it in a book. I will put it in a YouTube video, anywhere that people can just hear this, like understand God's love because standing in his presence, it's, It is unreal. There is no way to explain how much God loves you, how much I could feel that God loves you and God loves me and just the pureness of that love. There is just no fault and no blame in him. And I don't know, it's not enough words in eternity. I can can tell that you're trying to search for the words that can describe him. And at the end of the day, he's indescribable. I mean, he's just so amazing that there is no word that we can really find that describes him, but I can see your passion and your enthusiasm about this topic. So audience, as you're listening, I want you to know that this book is packed with all kinds of nuggets. We've got over 300 pages. And so if you are intrigued by what you've heard so far, you're definitely going to want to check out this book. Now, I, and I don't want to give everything away But you did mention just a little bit ago about the importance of questions. And there were four questions that you used very early on in your book. They were, who am I to myself? Who am I to others? Who am I to God? And then my favorite, what needs to change about my answers? Talk to us a little bit about why these four questions are important for us to ask. I realized when I had this encounter with Christ and I was pulled out, yanked out hardcore out of the new age movement, and I was built on this new foundation, it was all about reshaping my identity. And we are in the middle of a full-blown identity crisis in the world today because the world wants us to be identified the way the world wants. And God has another identity for us a amazing one built on love and peace and joy and this unity in the body of Christ. There's so much beauty in the identity that God gave us from birth, but we don't see it. We don't understand it. It is the journey of life to come to find and understand that identity of who we are. And the thing about it is we're not here alone. There's people around us and God who created us, and we're supposed to have relationship dynamics with all of them. So when God said that the highest command is love God and love your neighbor as yourself, he identified those three points. He identified God, neighbor, and self. And I do a forgiveness course. It's like a free five-day forgiveness course that walks people through the who, what, where, when, why, and how of forgiveness. And it always comes back to what is God's role, what is my role, and what is the other person's role. 
so that we're talking about the exchange that happens. So it always comes back to whenever you're looking at all of these situations, all these stories in the Bible, there's the person in the center of the story that it was about, like, let's say it's Ruth. There's the people around Ruth. And then there's God. You know, every person that you're looking at, even your own personal experience, it's yourself, it's your neighbor and God. So love God, love neighbor, and as yourself. When we pull it all back into those things, what we're saying is we need to understand who we are in relation to all three. So I need to know who I am to myself. I need to know who I am to others. I need to know who I am to God. But the reality is being born knowing nothing and having to learn and grow through trial and error and learn through the guidance of the spirit means we make a lot of mistakes and answers have to change. What I thought I was is not the same as what I actually am. Mm -hmm. So when I say what needs to change about my answers, it's all about repentance and discipleship, learning to conform to the image of Christ even more as we are called to do, understanding that my identity is as a child of God, as a bride of Christ, understanding that I have brothers and sisters in Christ that are my neighbor. And I have people who are not in the body of Christ yet, who are also my neighbor and how I relate to them. And then there's also my relationship to God himself. Who am I to him? Like, there's just so many little pieces, but when we look at each level of our identity and we solidify it and we stand on it, it is such a powerful thing for our hearts and minds to help us walk in love and peace and join all those fruits of the spirit more effectively and fruitfully. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, I was actually, it's funny that you mentioned the fruit of the spirit. Then I was actually thinking about that earlier as you were talking about emotional intelligence, because it's easy to read Galatians and see how here are all the things that I am called to be. But the question is, how do I get there? (laughs) And so your book helps us to kind of navigate some of those pieces in partnership with the Holy Spirit so that we can actually look at those things as possible, not perfection that we're going to dot every I and cross every T, but that it's possible because listen, there's no way that it's possible if I am relying on my own strength. That's not going to happen. Yeah, no. But when I partner, <laughs> but when I partner, it is possible. And so being able to demonstrate self-control and when our neighbor upsets us, being able to respond in love is something that this journey that you want to take us on can empower us to do. So let's talk a little bit about the writing journey here, because it's such a powerful book. You know, when we were talking earlier, you shared with me that you got these 350 pages, the first draft at least done in about five to six weeks. How in the world? I know our listening audience is thinking, (laughs) how did that happen? Tell us about this experience. It was mind-blowing, to be honest. Like, I feel like once you know that God has called you into something, once you're ready to start, there's nothing that can stop the floodgates from opening up. And basically, I had these thoughts mulling around in my head like, oh, I should write this. Oh, no, I can't do it. Oh, you know, this would be a really great idea. No, don't do it. And, you know, so I went through this whole process for a few months, like, oh, you know, nobody's going to listen to me. I haven't been in the faith that long. I'm not in the church. You know, I'm not a pastor. No, you know, and I went through all the doubts and stuff. And then one day it was like a revelation of God. It just hit me that, yes, do this. This is what you're supposed to do. Now is the time to start it and pour it out. So I kind of just surrendered into it and let it flow. 
I literally got baptized the same day that I was writing the section about baptism. I mean, my parents baptized me as a child, but I still believe in doing it again as an adult by your own choice. And it was literally just flowing out as I was going through these things. So it was able to be a little bit more personal and raw that I was like right in the thick of, you know, I had followed the Lord for a year with this deep intensity and I was right in the thick of those feelings. So, you know, it came out with just like a, we got to do this guys. You know, I love you. I'm here with you. I understand it's difficult because I'm doing it. I laid down a lot of raw things that have happened in my life, bad choices I made to use as an example about how I changed them. But it was just really when it was time, it was time. And oh my gosh, it was so funny because I got done writing the very last word. And for like this moment, I had this ethereal piece that I had done something exactly as the Holy Spirit wanted me to do. And then Satan just was like, let's tear it down. (laughs) (laughs) I spent I backed up my rough draft on an SD card and I started going back on my laptop and making edits, going through a second draft. And I spent about a month doing these edits, just saving it on the SD card that was already in my laptop. And after about a month of that, my laptop blue screen of death, it Mm. corrupted the file and I lost all of my edits. And I had to go back to the rough draft and I prayed about it. And God was like, I'm doing this. This Mm. is not like devil interference. The interference of the devil was all these changes you were trying to make from what I was trying to get you to speak. And so I took that first rough draft and all I really did was make some grammar fixes. All I went back through and did with that rough draft was, oh, this sentence would make more sense if I restructured it this way. I didn't change my points. I didn't add or remove concepts because I was toying around so much in my head with, should this be in there? I should add this. I wanted to put everything that was in my head in this one book. And I had my pastor, she had to sit me down and be like, listen, you can put more of it in a different book. (laughs) You can write more books, which you are. You can write more books. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I was like, oh, you're right. Let's, Let's simplify this down. So it's good that I lost the edits. I think losing the edits was an act of God. Making the edits was a Satan messing with my head. You know what I mean? So the book that you see now, once every like six months, I'll sit down and I'll just go back through and proof my English make sure that the English makes sense. When you've had a little distance away from it, you're not so close to it. It's easier to come back and see Mm -hmm. things you would like to correct. So I come back every like six months or so, make a pass through it, improve the English, make it clearer, make sure it's cohesive with some of the programs that I put together, like my Fruit of the Spirit program, you know, that I'm using the same definition for love in the book that I use in my program, that kind of stuff. And it's all the same. Otherwise, I basically just wasted that month of trying to make edits. And I was like, okay, I guess I should just format this. Wow. <laughs> it was funny because when I first put the book out, all of my apostrophes had accidentally flipped backward in the computer. I don't even know how it happened. So when the book first came out, all the apostrophes were backward and I had to go back in, delete and fix every single one of them wow. and then re-upload it. It was so crazy, but you know, it's it got all done. exactly as God <laughs> wanted it to be, and it got done. Yes. And it, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's even a powerful message that you shared that sometimes what we 
think is the enemy is really God redirecting us to his original design and plan. You know, he wanted the book to come out the way that it was originally written with some minor edits. And sometimes we can get into this space of overthinking and, you know, trying to succumb to whatever pressures that we feel that we're under, but you were directed by the Holy Spirit. And I think that's another great point for our audience. It sounds like you were literally partnering with the Holy Spirit to write the book. And since that was the case, there really wasn't a need to go back, but it doesn't mean that we won't be tempted to do that. So listening audience, as you are hearing us, I think first powerful point from Anne, don't just write your book on your own. Make sure that you invite God into the process of writing your book. And then secondarily, even as you're going through the editing process, maybe just taking a moment to pause and get clarity on what's driving the edits, because you want to make sure that you're not editing God (laughs) out of your book, the original intention out of the book, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's hugely important and certainly some challenges along the way, but the book is out and as your pastor shared, you can write more books. And so uh, it's good news. There's another one on the way. So by the time this episode airs, your book on faith leadership will be out. I also heard you share that you have some courses. So God has really been doing some great things in you and through you. So let's talk a little bit about your second book, Faith Leadership. How does that build upon what started with your first book? Well, actually, it's going to be my third book. Ah. I was invited not long after this book came out. I was invited by my pastor to do a leadership class at church for people that they were thinking were probably going to take leadership roles in the future. I'm the community outreach coordinator now, so I plan all the volunteer opportunities for the church. And when I was sitting in this class, he gave us an assignment where we were supposed to go through the book of Matthew. And every night we were supposed to read one chapter and write some notes for him on leadership observations that we noticed, not just like direct statements, but like just what we see happening. Like how is their leadership demonstrated here? And the first paper I turned in for Matthew 1 through 7, he put a note at the top that said, this was really great. I loved reading your insights and you should write a book about this. Like this should be the premise of a book. And when I read that note, I had this immediate inspiration of the spirit that I was going to have two bookends to the Perfect Love of Heroes journey because Perfect Love of Heroes journey is a map. It's not everything. It's a guidepost to get people from one step to the next, but Some people want to dive more in, and it really dove the most into that growth process in Perfect Love of Heroes journey. So if we're looking at like a know Christ, grow in Christ, go for Christ pattern, then I wanted to write one that was more about just evangelism and coming to accept Christ, not just on the basis of being a ticket to heaven, but as a basis of why do we walk with him every day? What's the value in doing that? So I wrote a short, really like few hours to read, 80 page, easy to digest evangelism tool called Redeemable about how everybody is redeemable. Mm-hmm. And then that is like a prequel sequel to Perfect Love of Heroes <laughs> Journey. And that yeah. leads people into reading Perfect Love of Heroes Journey. And then I am coming out with a book called Redeemer. And it's all about modeling the life of our Redeemer so that we can bring other people to their Redeemer, which is Christ. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is I knew 
years ago exactly what the book was going to be, what the cover was going to look like. When I saw that note several years ago on my paper, I knew every chapter that was going to be in it, what I was going to do, how I was going to lay it out. I literally just needed to get it out of my head and on paper. But God gave me a red light, gave me a red light, gave me a red light until this year. And in like March or April, he's like, now it's time to start writing it. And he made me wait because it's about leadership. And just because I have knowledge about leadership doesn't mean I had the deeper insights, the experiences he wanted me to reinforce it with. So he made me wait until I had more experiences in faith leadership. I had other leadership experience, but it wasn't in the church. So he immersed me in the church. He got me into leadership roles. He got me into ministry. I preached regularly. And now I had all this experience and stories that I could share that help reinforce the point. And man, I feel like this is some of my best writing. It is so important because there's a lot of things people get really excited about going out to share the gospel. We all just want to bring people to Christ and have other people know this love of God so deeply like we know it, but we try to put the cart ahead of the horse. We don't know what we're in for. We don't build solid foundations. We try to go in while we're still standing on some sand and we either misrepresent the faith or we get led astray. We're just, we're not solid yet. And so this is really geared to like pick up where perfect love with hero's journey ends and get people to think, okay, if at the end of perfect love, a hero's journey, you felt like God was calling you into some kind of leadership in the future. Let's look really closely at what the model of leadership is in scripture. What does God really want us to do? And what does it look like in the modern world? Because we have challenges with, you know, appearance and finances. And, you know, it's all different than the time he was in, but it's still timelessly true scripture. So how do we apply it and how do we walk in it? What are the challenges you're going to see in the modern world? And I really hope that people will appreciate that I tried to be raw and honest. I've talked with so many pastors because I'm connected in with a lot of churches and I'm networked in with a lot of people. And there's a lot of things that I heard repeated over and over again that I tried to call out and air out in this book in a scriptural sound way. You know, the way the dynamic between pastor leadership and volunteers and people who are attending church, the way we see each other, how we're working together, what our expectations are, really trying to just air some of that out because it's really hard. Like a pastor doesn't want the congregation to feel bad if they say something about how they've been hurt or, you know, so I feel like I have this opportunity where I'm at right now to step back and be in the middle because I'm not like some, you know, Stephen Furtick name. I'm not like the super high popular name that would sound like I'm just complaining. I'm trying to give voice to some things that need discussed. And I really hope that people will appreciate the depth of sincerity I was looking for and helping us build more leaders who are on a solid foundation, who are really seeking the purity of leadership, who want to help the one person in front of them and not make it about the crowd, like just to help the person in front of you and just doing it all for the right reasons. So that's what that book is going to be about. That's powerful because the motivation behind what we're doing is just as important as what we're doing, right? So if we're leading for the wrong reasons, then we can actually negatively impact 
other people when we're thinking what we're doing is good. So, so much powerful information here. I want to make sure that people are able to connect with you. They're able to check out your books, your courses. What's the best place for people to go if they want to learn more? My business name, my ministry name that I just kind of blanket everything under is Peace is the Road. So Gandhi said, there is no road to peace, peace is the road. And it's interesting because Gandhi wasn't a Christian. His view on Christianity was, I like your Jesus, I don't like your Christians. (laughs) And I feel like that's kind of the point that I'm trying to tackle. You know, we're supposed to conform to the image of Christ. So I'm hoping that Gandhi would have liked our Christians after the time I'm done. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But the idea is that peace is the road. It's not something you can plan for. It's not something you can like fight for. It is the road that you have to walk. That is the straight line that we're on with Christ. And so all of my ministry stuff falls under this peace is the road blanket. So my website is peaceistheroad.org. And you can find anything related to my ministry there, my courses, my books, links to my Facebook and my YouTube and all the, all the fun little things that social media allows for. Absolutely. Well, audience, I want to make sure that you head on over to peaceistheroad.org, check in out and all of the great things that God is doing in her. And your journey has not been an easy one, not just from the standpoint of getting your book out, but just your life story and, you know, kind of navigating through rediscovering yourself and your identity. I got to believe that there is someone in our listening audience that may be struggling with that. They have a story that needs to be told. There is a journey that God has them on, but maybe they're in a place like you were when you were going back to make edits in your book. You know, they had gotten the downloads, they had the message, but they're, they're doubting a little bit and they're thinking, maybe I need to change this or, or change that. Or maybe what, maybe at the end of the day, maybe they're not sure if what they've written is good enough as it is to take that next step. What would be your number one piece of advice for that person that's listening to us today? I would like to tell people that if you make it a priority to find your identity in Christ, that if you're standing on a solid relationship with God, that there's nothing that you can really do that will be wrong because he will either, it will either be exactly what he guided to you. He will correct you if you're on the wrong path and he can use it for your good because he called you. So you have to just stand on your faith I like to tell people that faith is trust and confidence. Trust is in your mind and confidence is in your heart. And you have to stand on a hundred percent trust and confidence that God put you on this planet for this purpose, that he's led you to this point for a purpose that you are doing exactly as he had called you to do. And if you're not, he will be clear with you as long as you stay in relationship with him. And all of that relationship is built around your identity with him. So if you know who you are and you stick to who he has made you to be, stay in your lane, (laughs) you will absolutely be fruitful. There are a million ideas that flood in my head every day. I tell you, I have at least five more books mapped out in my head right now, but I had to prioritize where does God want me to be right now? And it's based on who he's making me to be, where he's taking me and what his plan is for my life. So 
Keep your relationship with him as tight and close as possible so that anytime he shifts you, anytime he guides you, anytime he offers a correction, you can see it and you'll go. And as long as you do that, there's nothing you can do that will truly be wrong. He can use it all. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode of Publishing Secrets, where our mission is to inspire you to write, publish, and profit in a way that honors God. If this episode has been a blessing to you, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, then rate and review. And if you want support in your journey, whether you are a current author or an aspiring author, then join us on Facebook in the Christian Authors Network. Wherever you are in your journey, we have the best next step for you. So join us there and get the support that you need to make the impact that you have been called to make. Until next time, God bless.